0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. It's Doug Cunnington here. And in this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about starting a personal brand. I'll explain the context for that so it'll make a little more sense. And a few books and podcasts that are related to it, some things that I find Kind of inspiring and helpful in general, and as normal, I'm going to hit some Q and A. It's been fantastic. I get plenty of emails um, asking questions. Many of them are very good. I do screen a few of them. I answer almost all of the email questions, even if they don't have a huge amount of, um, I'll just say substance. You know, there there are better questions than others, so I try to bring those to the table, and we have a few of those today. So let me know, by the way, via email, feedback at Doug.show, if you dig these uh, q and A lot of times they're fairly specific for each individual, but I try to do it um, the best I can to generalize the question so it's helpful for more people out there. And let's... Thank you, sponsor. We have Ezoic, and they have their site speed accelerator, and I've been uh, testing it out. I tested it out a few times on some sites that were not well optimized at all, and one of the best results that I got, I think I had a site with, um, I don't know, I had some big images, kind of, kind of a mess. It was an older site that I know was not optimized at all. And I think it tested something like a 27 or 28 in the Google Page, page Speed Insight score. And I used the Site Speed Accelerator, and it jumped up to like a 98 to 99. So essentially it just makes it easy, the site speed accelerator to have your site load faster. It is standalone. So you don't have to use the other functionality from Ezoic, which a lot of people equate to, you know, just a display ad network, but they actually do a lot more than that, including. Well, they, they place the ads in a more intelligent way. There's AI behind it and machine learning so that the ads are sort of optimized for the individual and it learns over time. That's what machine learning is all about. And a lot of times you end up making more money. So check out the Cite Speed Accelerator and Ezoic in general, and thanks a lot to Ezoic. Let's shift over to this personal brand stuff. And here's why I was thinking about this over the last couple of weeks. For me, a lot of the things that I work on are related to personal branding. And you know what? I should have looked up like a definition, but essentially I'm like, I'm being myself. I have a platform that I started with niche site project, my blog, then over to YouTube And now this podcast. And they all sort of co-mingle together. I cover a lot of the same topics. I probably tell some of the same stories over and over again, hopefully in different formats. But really, I'm just sharing things that I'm working on. As you know from this podcast, sometimes it's quite random. I think my wife and I did like five episodes on Tiger King, which if you're listening to this in years, years in the future here... Hopefully you won't even know what Tiger King is, but if you're living through 2020, if you're listening to this in 2020, you probably know what Tiger King is. So I'm just talking about just whatever I'm interested in really. And along the way, hopefully it's somewhat entertaining. Hopefully you are learning something related to entrepreneurship, online marketing, and that sort of thing. So I... Did this from the very beginning because the people that I was learning from, like Pat Flynn and Spencer Hawes, and I was following along with their case studies. It's just natural for a lot of people to think, I want to learn what they're teaching, and it looks like they're having a good time helping other people. I think I want to try that out. Personally, I am not super outgoing. I'm not, I I never was like drawn to teaching. So it's almost a little bit out of the, you know, spectrum of stuff that you would think that maybe I would want to get into. However, as I saw what Pat and Spencer were doing, I thought, "Hey, it'll be good to start a blog." So once I had a little traction back in 2013, I started a blog like immediately in the blog immediately was monetized because i wanted to have products to sell so i wasn't going to do it as a hobby i wasn't just going to um f- for whatever reason i was just really excited i was extremely pumped and i was thinking hey i i can do it people would want to learn from me too i was naive enough you have to have that i think to think hey people are going to follow you so I started Niche Site Project and immediately within like two months, I was selling like the first product, which was an ebook. Ebooks were a little bit more popular back in the day. And in hindsight, I really could just see the ebook being in a course platform and people would think, oh, this is just a, you know, written course. They wouldn't think this is a, you know, low, low cost ebook. So a lot of it is about the the framing, and just the format that people are consuming the content. But anyhow, I pre-sold the ebook, and I, I set a goal: hey, if I sell ten of these, I will write the book and launch it. And it worked out. I think eleven or twelve people purchased it. I was pumped. It was something. I think I made like a thousand dollars or so, and then I spent the next six weeks writing the book. So it's a pretty standard approach. You hear people talk about it. You can do this in like sort of a sleazy way where you kind of don't know what the hell you're doing. Or hopefully, you know, I mean, people were happy with the, the ebook that I wrote and I, was, I really worked closely with a lot of people. So from there, I sort of floundered around and I was really trying to figure out What I was doing with my corporate job, I was trying to get promoted, trying to do all the stuff that my mentors were telling me to do, and eventually got laid off, as many of you know the story back in 2015. And I found it very helpful, just in general, to launch the product, right? Launch the product, launch the blog. Sorry, I hit the microphone there. And I learned so much and I improved in several areas. So this is sort of the the topic, right? Um, And I'll, I'll hopefully add more context around it. So let me add another layer in here that may seem unrelated. I've been doing a lot more interviews with people starting off. Maybe they're making their first few hundred, maybe they're making their first, you know, couple thousand and they've hit some pretty rapid growth. Even with COVID going on and commission rate changes, different obstacles, there's still people who are just blowing up right now. And it's amazing. It's great to hear. I think no matter what's going on, there's always opportunities. And some people are just at the right place at the right time to take advantage of it. I mean, being lucky with timing is huge. So it's great to just be there and be ready when things are in a growth spot. So as I'm doing these interviews, I hear the folks, uh, people are thinking, hey, it would be nice to go ahead and, you know, st- start maybe talking about what I'm doing. I would love to have a YouTube channel. I would love to do a blog, maybe kind of follow what you're doing, Doug. And, I, you know, at first, I'm like, yeah, sure. Sounds great. I highly recommend it. I don't really give too much advice on it. Other than I find it rewarding and it's been great for me to learn, work on this stuff and also diversify my income in a just business sense, right? It's smart to have different sources if you have things set up properly so you're not stressing out or anything like that. So as I found all these people that are wanting to do it i i'm like yeah like get started people do want to hear from you even if you're even if you maybe feel like you're not adding anything like brand new you're just sharing what you're doing you're talking about things from your perspective people find it interesting people want to hear from you it's very it's mind-blowing because you feel like you're just a random person and you, you don't really have anything to add, but people eventually enjoy your personality, which sounds funny for me to say, but people do uh, hopefully find me relatable. I mean, I get emails. I, I know people find me relatable in some ways. I'm sure other people don't like me. You you folks don't listen to the show, but the people that like you will stick around and they they wanna see what you're working on. So all that to say, If you're thinking about maybe starting a brand, if you want to have a blog or a podcast or a YouTube channel, you probably should do it. It's going to feel clunky and awkward. And I still feel awkward sometimes when I'm recording these episodes or doing a YouTube video. If you're just like not quite in the right frame of mind, like I'm still second guessing a lot of the stuff that I'm working on. It doesn't really go away. Maybe that's good. So there's always a little bit of a, I don't know, nervousness, some anxiousness that helps you be productive as long as you can channel it into a productive way. So whatever format you want to work on, and I think a blog, a podcast, or YouTube is completely valid. I think those are all great ways to approach it. Pick whichever one you're most comfortable with, whichever one you're the best at, or the ones that you want to improve on. I have a friend who, a pretty big YouTuber, he must be getting close to 100,000 subscribers now. He's Italian, and he wanted to improve his English. He's a WordPress developer and a developer in general. He decided he was going to do a YouTube channel to help improve his English, so he would have to speak in English and he just worked through it and suffered through it. And he's grown his channel into something very, very huge. It's pretty amazing. And his English has gotten much better, but he still has a pretty heavy accent, but speaks English uh, fantastically. Funny story, right? So side note, when you start something, whether it's a podcast or YouTube or whatever, you have the ability to network with people. So the person I was talking about, Alex, he... He lives in Vancouver, and when I was passing through Vancouver last summer, I went to hang out with uh, he and his wife, very awesome, because they made, I mean, they're Italian, they're from Rome, so they made some awesome, awesome food, and it was it was really fun. So, when, when you put yourself out there, you end up building a bigger network, you just have the ability to connect with people that you can't if you are just a, a random person. Not that random people aren't great, but... I get a flood of emails. If you have a YouTube channel or a podcast, I'm a lot more likely to uh, check it out and have a conversation. We could connect on a deeper level, really. Whatever format you end up choosing, you're probably going to improve it. And I, I hope you will. So you'll speak better, you'll write better, you'll communicate better just in general. And you do have to, take a look at the work you're doing and figure out where to improve. I need to do it more I need to listen to these podcast episodes and I will identify areas where I'm saying a word too often. I say so at the beginning of sentences really too much. I'm trying to get better with that and get rid of filler words. I need to go back to some of the very early episodes. I know they were probably a lot a lot sloppier then I recall, at least I hope I'm getting much better than I used to. So whatever format you end up going to, you're going to improve. And there, I said it again, I said it again. Once you start critically looking at it, you know, you should edit this stuff out, by the way, but I'm not going to. But once you start listening to things critically and looking at what you're doing, consciously trying to improve, usually you will do it. it. It takes time, but once you start thinking about it, you'll get better. For a a website, I think it's probably an easy way to get started. Probably if you're listening to this, you already have some hosting accounts. I highly recommend you just go get your your name, the domain name of your name. So for me, DougCunnington.com. There's not much there, but I wanted to lock that down pretty early. I probably didn't do it early enough. It was probably like 2015 before I, I got it, but go grab your name. If it's not available, that's okay. Maybe fine, throw in your middle name or a nickname or something like that. But it is great to have your own personal name. It could be your home base. I don't think I'm gonna sell niche site project in the future or anything like that. But dougcunnington.com is a place where I can do just my own thing. And I, I feel good about having that. If you don't wanna jump into that, area yet. Another spot is an email list. So I think any one of the platforms you end up going to blog, podcast, YouTube, I highly recommend an email list. That is the number one, like marketing component for me. One of the best ways for me to connect with the audience. Email does kick me in the balls every now and then. But in general, I love having that direct interaction in the The people that actually open the emails and read them, I mean, we're really well connected. I know when I had a few folks read over some of my email autoresponder or some of my marketing emails, they said, this is too long. No one's going to read this. It's 6,000 words long. Sure enough, people read the long emails. Those, uh, Those long emails, if someone actually reads it all, they are really into it. And it's pretty amazing. The people that don't read it, of course, they're not going to connect as much, but that's fine. It's kind of a self-selecting process, which I appreciate. I mean, I, I like that very much where the people that dig it are going to go deeper and then the people that don't, they're, they're going to go away. They're not going to read that email. That's totally fine. With, with that said, if you don't want to have like a full-on website where you're blogging, but maybe you want to have an email list, I think a good route is to just maybe grab your the name of your your name as the domain name. Create an email list via like AWeber or Kajabi. Those are the two that I'm sort of into right now. AWeber is a more traditional um, ESP email service provider. They've been around for a very long time. They're well known for great customer service and high deliverability. They used to be lagging behind as far as tagging and some of the funnel functionality and campaigns and some of the more modern funnel design that we have kind of in all platforms. They've caught up. AWeber has caught up in the last, I would say three years or so. And I, I never moved because there's kind of a great cost as far as labor and stress when you migrate from a tool. So I've stayed with AWeber they caught up with the functionality of other platforms. So I'm happy that I stayed with AWeber and I'm probably not gonna move even though I have similar functionality over in Kajabi. And Kajabi is an LMS, a learning management system, and it is also like a full stack of tech. So it replaced probably six or eight different pieces of software that I was using previously. So they actually have email funnel design, they have the course platform and you can have your website on there as well. So everything is on there, everything is on there. In both cases, you pretty much can create an account and then start an email list and have your landing pages on either AWeber or Kajabi. AWeber has a newer piece of functionality. And I was talking with my account manager a couple of weeks back. I, was, I thought, wh- why, why do I need a landing page? Like I already do this and I have my email capture somewhere else. But I don't understand why this is here. It's because some people may have like a social media following or maybe a YouTube channel and then they don't have a website. They don't have a proper website yet you can send people to an AWeber landing page where they could sign up for your email list and then you don't have to have a website. It's just hosted over there on AWeber. Great piece of functionality for that specific use case and that person who doesn't have a website, maybe they'll get one in the future, but they don't have to worry about it right now. That's part of the stress, right? Like when you're, when you're in the trenches, you're doing the work, you're, you're busy, You know, you have a full-time job, you're doing a side hustle. It's more complicated if you're thinking, all right, I gotta start a website. I need to blog over there. Also need to do the email list and I have to do this other thing. Plus I have all my other responsibilities. That sounds stressful. You don't want to do that. You can cut one piece out by using the landing pages over at Aweber. They have all the templates and stuff like that. So you don't have to like recreate the, the wheel or anything like that. Other areas that you could look at And something to emphasize is social media platforms. So you have like Instagram, Facebook. um, I'm sure there's plenty of others out there. And even YouTube, to some extent, tries to have some social media component. Really be careful if you're building something on another platform. We've seen this a couple times with Facebook and Instagram. I'm sure there are many other examples where, The market's there, the audience is there. Someone like you, someone like me will go to a platform like Facebook, build up an audience. We have good reach where one of our posts are shown to most of our group followers or whatever, fan pages, whatever they are. Then the company starts monetizing that and they charge you, the content creator, to reach your audience. The you know the good part is you can't actually just pay for it, but if you've started running your business and then a new cost, a new expense shows up just so you can reach your audience when it used to be free, that's a problem. It's usually going to mess up your margins and bottom line and generally be a hassle. Again, this happened with Facebook, Facebook groups, Facebook fan pages, and then people were no longer able to reach their audiences for free. That said, YouTube's a little bit better. I think it seems a little bit more democratized where if you have a video that people are searching for and it's engaging and people like it, it has good viewer metrics, it's going to make it out in front of uh, other audiences. So I think YouTube is a little bit better, but some of the social media platforms are a little rougher. And a lot of times social media is just a treadmill of creating content because you have to keep adding content to the feed where with search on YouTube, at least if you have a video that has an evergreen component and people are searching for it, it can have a pretty long lifespan where people are going to find it and bring, you know, bring people to your brand and they'll be aware of it. All right. Let's see. A couple books that I have found interesting and things that I'm listening to, it really is just Seth Godin stuff. Um, There's of course many other people that are sort of in that same area, but I recently bought, I think like seven Seth Godin books. I've read most of the seven that that I just purchased. However, I got them from the library and then returned them when I finished reading them. I have a couple, but the dip's really good. Icarus Deception is excellent as well and Purple Cow is another one that's fantastic and they're all very inspiring they're almost like a self-help book sort of like disguised as a business book and a lot of I mean I'll I'll, uh, let you know after I reread several of these books I have a feeling it's all the same book just with a different cover and a different a different framing but it's like hey go take some action, try to do a good job, put yourself out there. And if you're doing a good job, people are gonna respond to it. And then you can adjust along the way. I mean, I think that's like the theme of most of the books. And Seth is an excellent communicator and teacher. The books are usually short. They're usually about a hundred pages. Not all of them, a couple are a little bit longer, but they're usually about a hundred pages. And it's like, he's talking to you. Speaking of which, he has a podcast called Akimbo, which are, I listen to every single episode. It's really good. They're sort of bite-sized teachings most of the time. He usually covers a topic in 15 to 20 minutes or so, and then he answers questions at the end. So check that out, Akimbo. It's a good good podcast, and I think there's probably... I don't know, must be close to 50 or 100 episodes right now. Good listening, very good listening. And speaking of how Seth puts together his episodes, he covers a topic like we did today, and then he hits some questions, which we're going to hop into. And the Q&A segment is brought to you by Niche Website Builders, and they're a hands-off affiliate marketing agency. They are able to write content for you, and they're able to run a link building campaign in the form of the shotgun skyscraper. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that momentarily. However, let's get to some of the questions that came in. So this is from Is Izaru. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sorry if I goofed it up. He says, I have a website for Amazon affiliate links. I've never published other affiliate links or other networks. I only work with Amazon affiliate links. My questions are, can I publish other affiliate network links on my Amazon site? And will Amazon ban my Amazon account if I publish other affiliate network links? Please let me know. I really need your help. Wow. So what I said, shoot, I said it again. Darn it. What I told Izaru was, go check out the operating agreement. If you have not done this, it's freely available. You know, Amazon sends it over to you right at the beginning. They want you to know the rules. It is a dry read. It is very long. It's going to be confusing and you may think, what the hell are they talking about? This makes no sense to me. It's a good exercise to go and read that and maybe sit on it, sleep on it for a while, and then read it again. Hopefully, it'll make more sense once you dive into specific areas. There's different interpretations. And if you hired a lawyer, I bet if you hired three lawyers, you'd get five different opinions on certain areas. But the point is, it's a good exercise to go read it. So if you haven't read it, go read the operating agreement. It's something that you've literally agreed to as an affiliate, so you probably should read the damn thing. Next, generally, you can use other affiliate offers. Amazon says in that operating agreement that they don't want to have other offers on the same page where you are using Amazon assets, which would include images or other details that might be pulled from the API. So generally you're probably gonna use some Amazon assets. I will say that it seems to be, from where I sit, rarely enforced. So you're not supposed to put other affiliate links on the page, however, it seems to be rarely enforced. So technically, they could ban you, Amazon Associates could ban you, kick you out of the Associates program, but it doesn't seem like it's enforced very much. So if you have other affiliate links or another uh, network on a page where you don't promote Amazon products at all, you don't use any assets, there shouldn't be an issue. One layer to add on here is you probably can go find examples of people using, or basically violating rules all over the place, right? You can go find sites that are operating, that get a lot of traffic, that are making a lot of money, that are doing things incorrectly. Maybe they're listing prices and they're using images improperly. Just because another site does it doesn't mean that you should think that you can get away with it. It doesn't mean that you should do it. And it doesn't mean that they aren't breaking the rules. Another piece of the puzzle is you can go to a big site like The Wirecutter and see that they have multiple affiliate offers on the same page. That's a big company and you shouldn't, think that you are operating under the same agreement as another big company, right? If you're if you're just starting off, you probably don't have a dedicated uh, account manager, but I'm pretty sure that there's a few people working directly with a wire cutter from Amazon. I don't know this to be a fact, but my speculation would be they probably have someone that they could call because they're making millions of dollars and Amazon's making even more. So my hunch is they have a different operating agreement. So thanks, uh, Isaru, for that. Much appreciated. Amin, who's been on the show a couple times, has a pretty pretty long long question here. He's been working on a site for two years that has 270 posts and is starting to lose rankings in every month seems to lose a few spots. And it's a huge concern for Amin. You see that on the Google search console and the analytics, generally traffic's going down, rankings are going down. He doesn't believe it's an issue of on-page SEO because the posts match the search intent quite well and people seem to like it. It's been doing well for a couple years. He believes the issue is the backlink profile, which is quite low. He checked out some of the domain rating and domain metrics that are available specifically on Hrefs, And you can see that the DR is very low. It's under 10. I won't say what it is specifically, but it's under 10. And the other sites that are outranking his have a much higher DR domain rating. And he says that the on-page SEO is usually better. The content's better. Okay. So the main thing, he needs links. He thinks he needs links, which is something I I, I try to tell people. I try so hard to tell people, yeah, you could publish content and do nothing else, but it's better if you do build some links or promote your site, right? If you don't want to hire a service, if you don't want to do guest posting and link building and all that stuff, at least promote your site in some fashion. What that is, is up to you. If you're not going to you know, build links, you'll have to figure something out, but I'm sure there's a million ways to do it. Amin says he has a budget of $120 that he wants to invest on content for the site. And... Uh, oh, I thought he wanted to do link building. Yeah, yeah, so link building. So he used to invest it on content, but he's gonna shift it over to link building. He mentioned a specific company, which I haven't heard of. There's so many different link building companies. He says, they seem average from my standpoint. They do a decent job outsourcing and blah, blah, blah. So he says, do you think it'll work? Which is a tough question to answer. So, what I told him was you should get links, and you already know that you got to get links. You can get away for a long time with just content, but at some point, you may have to catch up. All else being equal, we know links are helpful. If a site has at least as good of content as yours, And they build a few links, they're probably gonna beat you if they stick at it long enough. I also said, I don't know about the company because I've never heard of them and there's so many out there. So I don't know if it's gonna work and it's a long-term play. If you just build like one or two links, you're probably not gonna see any impact, maybe even for months. In fact, I was chatting and emailing with a John out there, who I think hopefully you're listening to this episode, he said, yeah, I bought one link from the Hoth and it didn't seem to help. So I'm not really sure, like link building doesn't seem to work. And that is, you know, it's it's tough, right? Cause I, I know you want to see, I buy, I buy a link building package and actually it was a syndication package. So he got probably dozens um, of links. And he said, you know, I didn't see any difference, but link building is really a long-term situation. You might not see any rankings change for a long time. And a mean site has been around for a while, so it maybe would respond a little bit more quickly. So you you never know, and it depends on the content. It depends on a lot of different factors, the age of your site, how many links you have in general, and the competition. So it's really hard to say whether or not a specific link building campaign is going to be effective. Now, speaking of link building campaigns, I talked about uh, niche website builders, and they have a shotgun skyscraper campaign that they run for you. There's, I think, three different tiers, and I'm testing out the lowest tier. They write a piece of content for you, a skyscraper piece that's high quality, it has custom graphics, and A skyscraper piece, at least in this sort of format, in the way that I requested it, was to have kind of a broad topic that covered a lot of different areas, but not very deep. It covers a breadth of information, but it doesn't go super in-depth. So I'll be able to write content for each one of those Subtopics within the skyscraper and go much more in depth. So maybe on the skyscraper article, it has, just making this up, it has 200 words on a specific topic, but maybe there's a 2000 word article that goes really deep into other areas. What niche website builders will do after that is reach out to people who are likely to link to that skyscraper piece. And they do this over the course of several weeks couple months. And again, there's different packages. So they'll reach out to a different number of people. The problem with running this on your own is there's a lot of moving pieces. You have to find people to email. You have to set up automated software to email those people so that they will actually link to your site. And you have to, like I said, do all the setup it takes a little while to run these campaigns. So I don't have any data yet. And I'm excited to share that data when when I do have some results and how many links I have coming in and that sort of thing. But it takes some time to write a large piece of content and it takes some time to do that outreach. And let me jump back to another question here. And I'm gonna generalize a lot of the information. This is from Steve. And I've emailed him a few times because he was publishing a lot of KGR content, which was cool. They I always want to hear about KGR content, hear about successful folks, or hear about issues that people are having with the KGR. So he mentions that he set up a site with 50 pages of KGR content in a very competitive niche. He's bashing the top ranked post and getting number ones. He has a combination of punching them with KGR in H2 tags, SEO and skysc- skyscraper ring. That's a verb. He's using skyscraper as a verb. Skyscraper ring. All but the tiniest of keywords. Now, every post I publish ranks in the teens within a week and the site is barely monetized and making over $500 per week. Or sorry, per month, $500 per month. And... He has another site doing fifteen hundred to two k as well. Fantastic, really, really awesome. Especially, you know, this is after the commission rate change back in April of twenty twenty. So his question is that he's migrating the original site to another theme, and he wanted to essentially three hundred one redirect a lot of the old content to new content because it seems to have been, well, it wasn't on WordPress before. So the original site was not on WordPress and now he's moving it over to WordPress. And he was asking about 301 redirecting and he doesn't want to use code and plugins to do it because they get flaky. And he was asking about Rank Math and Yoast and other 301 mechanisms, all right? So kind of an advanced topic and there's a lot of, you know, it's just cool to hear people who are implementing and making some money out there and trying KGR and finding success. Okay. So the root of the question here is around 301 redirecting. Recent episode with uh, Shauna Newman from Skip Blast, she talked about 301 redirecting as well. And I just talked to Christy, success story alumni who just acquired a site as well and is 301 redirecting me personally i recommend that you do it in the htaccess file i think uh, steve actually ended up using rank math and doing those sorts of uh, redirects but at the end of the day most of the time i believe those tools redirect Put the redirect in your HT access file anyway. And I'm not super uh, scared to edit the HT access file. Always make a backup. Always make a backup when you're fucking around with your HT access file because you can change something and your site won't load. So always make a backup. Just copy that file. And then you could edit. You can edit on your machine and then upload it. You could edit via the... C panel, however you want to do it. I think the best practice is to edit on your local machine and then upload it. But I usually just edit directly from the C panel and the file explorer over on your c panel. And then a 301 redirect, you just, you know, look up whatever line of code you need, but I think it just says redirect 301, the old URL, and then the new URL. Be sure to look it up. I'm just mentioning it from memory there. And essentially it, um, it's pretty, pretty straightforward and you should redirect each one of those URLs so that it's mapped to the proper place. And the other thing to note is often when you do a 301 redirect, you might lose rankings for one to four weeks or so. I've done a few of these in the past and you will see rankings drop drop off, there's some time that Google needs to recalibrate. The rankings always seem to come back. Most of the time I've moved over to a better domain or something of that sort where there's some improvement and typically my rankings go up higher than they were. They do drop for a couple weeks, but they usually come back and they sort of taper. So you'll see a little bit of a drop off and then a slow gradual growth where it ends up going Back where it was, or hopefully higher. So Steve, hopefully that was helpful for you. And again, this little Q and a segment is brought to you by niche website builders. So check them out. You can save uh 10% on their link building package, which is that shotgun skyscraper, or you can get 10% additional content. They do have a, a content service so they can write a tremendous amount of content for you as well as they uh, you know, draft in WordPress and make it easy for you. They also have done for you sites. You can get more content over there as well. well uh, I think I'm going to leave it at that for today. Battery's about to die on the old recorder here, so I need to need to put some new batteries in there. Have a great day. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here on my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it. And I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show or... I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.